Welcome to the Alternative Assets Podcast with Stefan and Wyatt. This is not another podcast about stocks or venture capital. This is about the wide world of investment opportunities that aren't discussed as much. Our website and newsletter is at alternativeassets.club where you can find a transcript of this episode and many more unique investment ideas worth exploring. Now, let's dive in. Welcome, everyone. So we cover a lot of assets here at Alternative Assets. Uh, and one of the ones we've been slacking on a bit is domains. Well, that ends today because our guest today is Alex Drew. Alex is the founder of Otis. That's O-D-Y-S, Marketplace for Buying Aged Domains. Uh, domains that have a history and are chock full of valuable link juice. Alex and I have been working together for about a year now. Uh, he was actually our very first sponsor of the newsletter uh, way back when we were on Substack. And uh, we're really excited to have him. We're going to spend the first half of this podcast episode discussing domains, why they are such an interesting and valuable alternative asset class. And we'll spend the second half talking age domains, which is Alex's specialty. But it should be a great discussion. Without further ado, Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so, Alex, where are you based? So, right now, I'm in Estonia, in Tallinn. Uh, the company, which is the holding company for Otis, is also based in Estonia. And uh, my, my background is uh, basically just a passion for technology. Uh, I've been traveling a lot for the past 10 years, and right now I'm in Estonia. So uh, my mother is Eastern European, so I've kind of followed along and tried to, you know, get back to the roots, so to say. But uh, in, in terms of the, the base, I've, I've really just, uh, I've been seeking, you know, for the Silicon Valley of Europe, and uh, I found it in Estonia, in Tallinn. So I decided to, you know, create a company here with my partners and uh, co-founded Odis, which basically resembles my passion for domains throughout the last 20 years or so. So cool. I must say, I absolutely love Tallinn. Uh, I only spent, you know, three or four days there a couple of years ago. But man, I was blown away at how cool that city was. I definitely sense it's becoming the Silicon Valley of Europe. It's definitely one of those places that punches well above its weight. A ton of cool companies forming there, have formed there. I believe Skype is from uh, Estonia originally. Is that is that right? Yeah, Skype was originally from Estonia. And uh, I believe TransferWise is Estonian as well. I, I'm not here to praise the government on anything. I, I'm not really keen of politics. But they just made it so cool to launch a startup. It's so easily, the nation is so digitized. And it's so easily to register a company and get started, you know, so little bureaucracy. So it just makes it awesome for entrepreneurs and digital nomads, you know, to get started with their business online. Very cool. Yeah, I, I know they started that digital nomad visa. They were like one of the first ones to, to do something like that. And everyone else kind of copied them since. But uh, very cool. So tell us about your uh, your background. How did you get involved in and in started in this world? So I don't have any background related you know, to domains, domain investing. My only background is really my passion for technology, my passion for the internet, and my passion for anything digital. Like 
the, the very first moment I, I had about the, the internet as a thing, I kind of, you know, it got me so lured in, it got me attracted, I kind of fell in love with it. And I was always fascinated, you know, by having a presence online, by, you know, having a URL that, you be, that belongs to you, you know, you can refer to when talking to people, you know. So uh, the very thing of being a webmaster, as they used to call it back in the days, you know, was very... Was, was really cool. So I, I thought, I, I want to be a webmaster. And being a webmaster always started with, you know, owning a domain, having a domain you can refer to, you can send people to. So domains shortly became my passion. Like I kept studying and registering them, figure out the best registrars, you know, the best deals. And most of the time, like, this is the problem of all investors, you know, an issue like you don't have any development plans. Like in 99% of the cases, you don't have any development plans for the best domains you own, but still you kind of hoard them and invest them for the long term because, you know, because of the passion, because you're addicted to investing in domain names. That's the sense I get from a lot of domain investors. There's an addiction there for sure. Uh, but addiction aside, you know, what makes domain investing great? What, what makes domains such a great digital asset? Well, we're already in the digital era, like, and there is absolutely no turning back. And I think you don't really exist these days as a business or as, as an entity, as an influencer, as anyone, if you don't have a digital presence, if you don't have a domain. And most of the time, this just, it's all about having a domain name you can relate to. And as much as, you know, social media plays a huge role, like social media accounts, you know, you can't really, at the end of the day, as easily trade them or sell them if you at some point decide to, you know, do an exit as you would with domains. So you, you're basically, you know, swimming in gray hat waters when you want to sell your Instagram account or you want to sell your YouTube account, even though some companies don't quite, you know, say you, you're not allowed to do that. But at the end of the day, you need a domain. So domain investing is great because everyone relates to their domain when it comes to a startup company. It's just, you know, not being a tangible asset and yet having such an important, playing such an important role in anyone's business just makes it absolutely fabulous. And the, the demand for good domain names, especially domain names one can use to build a brand on, is growing exponentially. Like if I remember the demand for domains like 20 years ago, and now it's just it's just a huge growth. It is amazing how the test of time, especially like you think of like dot coms, um, you know, when, when the web kind of first started, everything obviously was basically a dot com, dot gov, dot edu. Those are like the, the only like three that you ever saw, maybe like dot org, right? And then you started seeing dot nets pop up, and then there was some other ones. And there was this, there was thinking for a while that, you know, dot coms would kind of wouldn't be as valuable going forward because there's so many alternatives, right? There's so many extensions, TLDs. Um, so it wouldn't really matter if you had a dot com. And that's kind of true, but it's also kind of not true, right? Like it's it, having a dot com still matters a lot. It's not the only one that matters. And a great domain is more than just a dot com, but but it speaks to a larger question I have, which is around valuing domains, right? Domains to me are just, they're so tricky to value. And I think the reason is because what might be valuable to one person, you know, is like garbage to someone else, right? It's, it's like one person's trash is another person's treasure. 
you know, for a certain domain, one person might be willing to pay 30 grand, someone else, it wouldn't be worth, you know, 30 cents. And I know there's a couple of companies that have tried to, you know, make sense of this and have more accurate domain valuation tools. Estabot is kind of the, the, the one everyone knows. I'm not sure how great of a job they do. So I want to ask you, like, generally speaking, like, what, what do you see in the market? What really makes a domain valuable? Yeah, so first of all, on domain valuation and why it's tricky. In my opinion, all assets, regardless of the class, have some kind of emotional side of things attached to them. And as a property owner that is emotionally attached to his property, he's not willing to sell. I mean, even there's a chance for him to consider selling. So it's just best to pay whatever he asks. Otherwise, you stand no chance of owning the property in the first place. And when it comes to you know domain names, exactly the same applies. That there are cases when some domain owners are so emotionally attached to their domain they they simply do not consider selling, and then this can kind of bumps up the price. And domain valuation tools can't really sense that emotion attached to domains. And in my opinion, domain valuation is tricky mostly because as long as we have this emotional side of things attached, you know, the domain is worth as much as someone is willing to pay for it. Right now, for example, we have a very strategic domain name that we're willing to buy for our business. And money won't simply solve the equation regardless of how many historical comparable sales we have, regardless of the valuation of the domain, regardless of the offers we've made the, the seller. The seller is so emotionally attached to the domain that he's simply not willing to sell. And he's not an investor, by the way. He's just a former owner of the business, which no longer exists. And the domain name was an important part of his adult life and just a good memory, perhaps. And he just doesn't want to let it go. I still own a couple of these domains myself, like domains that I registered in the late 90s. And I'm not willing to let them go, like regardless of the price, they're just too important for me, you know remind me of the early days. It's just something way too valuable for me to sell. And some of these automated domain valuation tools simply do not consider this. I mean, in, in some cases, they just, uh, in, in some cases, th these tools will just offer a random valuation based on historical searches or, uh, you know, some comparable sales, historical sales or some comparable sales. But most of the time, all the sales happen in privately, and there, there is really no way for, for someone to, to be able to assess you know, the real value of a domain. A, a recent example is actually Rick Schwartz, who is known as the domain king, selling gobet.com for close to a million dollars. And he shared that the, the history of what which led to, to the sale in a recent tweet, and he said that he kept saying no to offers for like a couple of years until the, the buyers agreed to pay what he thought the domain was worth. Because at the end of the day, if GoBet.com becomes a multi-billion dollar company, the $1 million price they pay for a domain is really just nothing, you know, compared to their exit plan or whatever they can be valid for. So Rick Schwartz's opinion on evaluating the real price of the domain is that you cannot really pay what an automated tool tells you to pay for a potentially life-changing event, a life-changing domain, a, a domain that can you know, lead to events that change your lifestyle, you know, create a huge business. So that's why the automated domain valuation tools are like a, you know, two-edged swords. On one hand, you can educate you know, buyers that have no idea about 
domain investing, you know, on the intrinsic value of a domain. And on the other hand, you can get in trouble when someone, a potential buyer, references, you know, to the STBOT or Google appraisal valuation of a domain telling you that you're charging way too much for the domain. So it really depends on the circumstances, but most of the time it's just good to have them for the general public, people who aren't really uh, domain investors, don't dwell as deep into you know, the domain industry. But oftentimes these don't by far lead to a real domain evaluation, like a realistic one. It's such a fascinating market. I, I think that there's something to be said about not giving in to, you know, kind of pressure to lower the price on a domain that you think is really valuable because someone that really wants it is willing to pay a lot. It's just a weird kind of dynamic where it's, you know, if you have your heart set on a domain, and like you said, that happens all the time. I mean, emotion plays a huge part in this. If you have your heart set on a domain, and let's say the seller is asking 20 grand, it's not like you're, you're ever going to lose that emotional attachment to that domain. You're always going to want that domain. If you don't have 20 grand, you're going to have to make a trade-off and a sacrifice. I look at alternative assets and it's like, well, I, I would love to have alternativeassets.com. There's absolutely no way in hell I can afford that. You know, even if I could, I'm not sure I'd want to pay that much just for the .com. But if you're the seller you have no incentive to lower your price because eventually somebody's going to want and will will pay that price. It might take 10 years, but 10 years at the price you want versus, you know, 10 months at a price you don't want. That's it's 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 just one of those rare markets where it actually seems like it makes sense to kind of hold out for that that one hyper emotional buyer who is willing to pay up. Would you say that's accurate? That's extremely accurate. Like GoDaddy has had their best year this past year with all the, you know, the coronavirus crisis and the digital economy for both, you know, brick and mortar businesses and online businesses is just getting started. I sincerely believe we're just seeing, you know, the growth of the domaining industry. And regardless how much emphasis some investors or some, you know, people put on alternative, you know, TLDs like, you know, dot furniture or dot assets or, you know, any other, you know, new type of TLD, dot com still remains kings. Dot coms would be like what Bitcoin is for the crypto economy, just dominates the market. Dot coms is like owning, you know, a piece of property, a piece of land in the center, you know, of a big city. So you can't really compare that to anything else. The funny thing is even most crypto businesses these days strive to get the dot-coms regardless, you know, of how much the industry is progressing. Like you have domains like sushi.com, which was both recently acquired by a crypto swapping, you know, startup. And you have crypto.com, which is, you know, quite a big startup and a few other great domain names like Binance.com and a few other you know, really big, you know, both centralized and decentralized marketplaces that, you know, operate by owning the, the dot-com version of their brand. The metaphor with, uh, with crypto and Bitcoin is, is definitely apt. I, I do think that there's a lot more value in .io than, uh, let's say, your average kind of, you know, uh, cryptocurrency. Although, you know, these days, who knows, especially with what's been happening with uh, Dogecoin and all that. 
but yeah, it is it is definitely an interesting metaphor. And then of course, there's also the the dot crypto TLD, which um, is being sold through unstoppable domains. So that's a whole other sidetrack we can go down later. But I think before we get to stuff like that, we should talk a little bit about just the the marketplaces for buying and selling domains. While domain investing is uh, still a bit uh, niche, there's millions of people that buy domains every year. They don't think of themselves as investors, even if that's what they are, but they buy a domain because they have a great idea for a side project, right? Um, We've all been there. You've got this great idea for a side project. And and the very first thing you want to do is is just lock in that domain before someone else gets to it. Lock in that .com. What mostly happens is the side project doesn't really get off the ground or go anywhere or you don't have time or a million other reasons. The domain basically collects dust and it usually just kind of expires. Maybe you tried to sell it to your friends in a, or in a Facebook group or something, or, or maybe you put it on a marketplace. But there's many, many domains that are bought each year and, and nothing happens with them. I think we, we can definitely agree with. Um, so let's talk about those marketplaces. What are the biggest marketplaces for buying and selling domains? Like who are the biggest players in the industry? Volume-wise, I think the biggest players in the aftermarket of domains, especially domains that are about to expire, is GoDaddy. If talking about domains that are being sold still during the redemption grace phase, and uh, this is the phase where the former owner can pay a fee to GoDaddy and get the domain back if they want or can. When it comes to domains that are dropping, so domains that will inevitably drop and the former owners don't have a chance to get them back, we're talking about huge domains, .com, which owns dropcatch.com, which is by far one of the biggest drop catchers out there, for especially for .com and .org domains. And then you have web.com, who is a direct competitor with dropcatch.com, who owns SnapNames and Namejet. Like these are the biggest players when it comes to expiring domain names by far. Can you tell us a little bit about this idea of a drop and how that all works? Because I, I don't think everyone um, you know, understands this concept of drop. So tell us what Dropcatch does specifically. Yeah, so I'll try to avoid getting you know, too deep into the rabbit hole because there are a lot of technicalities involved, involved here. And it shouldn't really matter like to most people who are domain investors, but basically if you don't have a means as a registrar, if you hold a portfolio of domain names, if you don't have a mean to monetize those domain names via an auction held either by your company or a partner company like GoDaddy or Namejet, you're forced to leave those domains go through the full full life cycle of a domain and they inevitably enter a phase which is called pending delete for which you cannot buy them you know and kind of claim ownership you have to let them drop from the registry and as soon as they drop we have drop catching software which is you know a very sophisticated software which requires you know having multiple you know registrar licenses and servers and the fight is in between this really big players right now. We have hugedomains.com, which operates dropcash.com, and we have web.com, which is a really big company who operates snapnames.com. And they kind of have, you know, a lot of of attempts to register uh, valuable domain names the very, you know, second these expire, like uh, you don't get, and and then they list them for auction, you know, within their own portfolio and, and companies. So this is how a drop happens. 
when you have, if you were to be a registrar and you had a contract with GoDaddy, like the moment your domain expires, you can list it for sale via auction and monetize the domain name when the former owner doesn't want or cannot renew it. In any other case, you just are forced to let the domain drop unless you want to, to you know, renew it yourself. And then considering most of the domain names don't hold so much value, just have to let them go away, you know, for the drop. Got it. Okay. So basically, if I understand correctly, as soon as a domain goes unpaid, right, the owner no longer has the right to that domain. It then enters this kind of purgatory state. Is that kind of a way to think about it? Yeah, it's called redemption grace period. But usually the the former owner does have the chance to renew it during the redemption grace, which lasts anywhere in between 30 days to 45 days, depending on the TLD or registrar and their terms of service. But you can pay a fee and get it back. Okay. But if uh, it expires past the grace period, though, that's when it's a open season, free for all. Uh, yeah, it kind of goes into a five days pending delete phase where it inevitably drops from the registry, not only the registrar, but the registry itself. And then it's kind of free to register for all, exactly. And But usually it's absolutely, it's, it's, there is no chance you can hand register it, especially if talking about really valuable domain names. So the fight is in between the big players that just hit with multiple curves, you know, the server and try to get it, you know, register via multiple automated attempts to register it. And usually it's just a little bit of randomness involved, you know, timing, lags, you know, depending on where the servers are positioned closer to the, you know, registry, so forth. So there, there are quite a lot of uh, technicalities involved here. But at the end of the day, it's a really, really big fight because sometimes like these players can register the domain for like, let's say, $8 and then auction it for, you know, hundreds of thousands, depending on how valuable these are. Like these are some really rare catches, but it's worth, you know, pursuing them for sure. Wow. So it's almost like there's a high frequency trading aspect to it where there's actually server location matters. And oh, man. So every single day, there's what? Just thousands and thousands and thousands of drops. Yeah, I, I think even more than that, like we're talking about hundreds of thousands of drops, just just the dot com. Every single day, hundreds of thousands of drops. And so these big companies uh, presumably have software to determine the most valuable domain. I mean, there's no way a human could see all those and know what to make bids on or, or how, which ones to attempt to register. So there's presumably all sorts of software these companies have, I'm guessing, to figure out which of those 100,000 are worth registering. Is that is that accurate? Uh, not really, because usually they don't really care. They just provide you know, their servers and their software as a service. It's up to you to actually do your, do your own due diligence and figure out which one do you want. And then you kind of place a request, which is called a back order with them, and you express your willingness you know, to either pay them when they catch the domain for you or participate in an auction if there are multiple you know, entities who want the domain. If you are the only one who you know, kind of placed an order and back ordered the domain, if they manage to catch it for you, you pay them. If, let's say, we, wanna, we both want alternativeassets.com and it's expiring, if they manage to catch it, they are going to do a three days auction in between us, you know, so whoever pays more gets the domain. Got it. Okay. Interesting. So that's the primary way that most dropped domains are, you know, are, are purchased by these big companies. And then what do the big companies do? The big companies 
how do they sell them typically? Usually the big companies who are in the you know drop catching business, they do not sell the domain names. They just take orders. So they provide it as a service. And when kind of you agree to, to hire them to catch that particular domain, you agree to pay them for every successful catch. So if you don't pay them, you know, they just ban you and they no longer allow you to place back orders via their service. But the, so their business model is, is uh, you know, software as a service, basically. <laughs> you, just, you just make use of their technology, of their, their software. And they're not a marketplace, you know, per se, that they're just a means of getting those domains because they have the technology and they have invested, heavily invested in the infrastructure. And so they have the means to actually provide it as a service. You and me would require, you know, millions of dollars and a big, very big development and engineering to get that all done. So it's not realistic, you know, to compete with them at that level. But on the other hand, we have other marketplaces, you know, like Aftonic, who is owned by GoDaddy and has a portfolio of millions of domain names, plus you can list your own there. And then we have Dan.com and we have Cedo and we have some other marketplaces that do provide a, a large portfolio of domain names and allow you to both buy and sell via them and are indirectly related to catching domain names. So it's a completely different business. And usually these are the, the, the three biggest marketplaces as far as I know. And most of the time, it just when you want to increase your chances of selling a domain name, of getting it exposed, you know, to the market, uh, it's the, the best approach is to list it everywhere, both in Aftonic, let's say Dan.com, and even Cedo at the same time. So, how, how do Aftonic, Cedo, Dan.com? These, so, these are a little bit different. These kind of companies, how do they obtain their domain supply? So usually they they have an Uber style approach. So they kind of connect buyers and sellers. But as far as I know, Aftonic, which is owned by GoDaddy, has a very large portfolio of domain, and GoDaddy doesn't shy away from publicly announcing their, their domain portfolio acquisitions. They recently bought like millions of dollars worth of, of domain portfolio. Like they buy them in bulk because they understand which way. That the market is going and they know the value of domain is going to increase over time, especially dot coms. So they are buying a lot of dictionary, you know, word dot coms, a lot of pronounceable names, a lot of acronyms, a lot of brandable domain names, and just listing them for sale. Sometimes they that there is no way to kind of differentiate between your domain and GoDaddy's domain in a marketplace like Aftony. Wow. Yeah, I mean God, Go GoDaddy would have so much data on search intent and so, I mean, you're saying that they're actually buying their own stock and in the GoDaddy domain marketplace, it may be coming from them. They may be the owner. If you're going to buy a domain from GoDaddy, it might be that they, they actually bought it. Yeah, right now, GoDaddy has connected all their marketplaces into the same. So if you go to GoDaddy.com and you type like alternative assets, if it's listed for sale in Aftonic, you're going to be one click away from buying it if you can afford it, obviously. So if you type alternative assets into GoDaddy, they're going to say, like, buy it now because it's listed in Aftonic. So they are connecting all the dots here and making it extremely easy. So if you have a domain for sale, you list it in Aftonic, and they kind of have, like, Aftonic, GoDaddy, Cedo is are one of the few marketplaces with real traffic and marketplaces which can, you know, kind of help get your domain closer to a sale. An actual sale, not just you know, offer a park page, and then letting it be up to you to, for, to figure out how to sell it. They actually bring you buyers if you have like good domain names. Yeah, definitely. I, I haven't done a ton of domain um, flipping, domain investing, and selling, 
every now and then, like I probably literally buy like 20 domains a year. Here's what happens to them. Uh, I'd say 10 of them, absolutely nothing except collect dust, just spur of the moment impulse purchases. I'd say another like five, I try to sell on those marketplaces or Flippa or other marketplaces. Um, and then like one to two, I actually use maybe two or three. I actually turn into, um, you know, a side project or, or another project or something like that. So I've had uh, definitely some luck with, with selling domains um, in the past. I've also put domains up for sale, which I thought were valuable. And it's just like total crickets. And the problem is I know that someone out there will find it valuable, really valuable. It's just, I don't know if I want to keep renewing it every year, right? Like every year you get that notice and it's like, you know, do you want to renew? And you're like, oh man, I, I know there's someone out there who wants it, but it might take three years to find them, you know? So I end up usually just kind of letting them wither and, and it just feels like a waste. I don't know. Yeah. One piece of advice is to do your best to expose them. And at the moment, the best thing you can do is list them in all the biggest marketplaces that allow multiple listings. For example, there are marketplaces that won't let you list it elsewhere. They want it like a dedicated type of approach with the domain redirecting, you know, to web their websites so forth and so on. While there are marketplaces like Afternik, Sido, and even Den.com who don't care if you've listed elsewhere. So it's very important to actually have them listed in all the biggest marketplaces and also have a, a dedicated landing page with make an offer option and this way you can have you know full control of your domain portfolio and basically just having them exposed to the world gives you the opportunity to feel if there is demand and in the domaining world it's it, you can't really make it if you don't own a portfolio because most of the time you'll make a sale and that sale is going to make up for you know the renewal of all your portfolio throughout that year and it makes sense to keep going. And your second sale is going to be profitable if you make it. It's like venture capital. I mean, you, you make 100 bets and like two of them pay off and pay for everything 10 times over. Yeah, it's a game of small bets. And usually all you need is a unicorn to renew all your domains and just keep going. And just, just you know, make small bets and try to, you know, increase your chances of just selling, you know, the good names. And obviously you need a spring sale once in a while, you know, you You've kept the main for years and there is no other means, you know, to sell them. And you either let it go and or you trade them or there are other means to get rid of them. But usually, yeah, it requires some kind of trimming or spring cleaning once in a while. That makes sense. So you've definitely followed this market extremely well. H how have you noticed uh, domain investing kind of changing over the years? Uh, presumably, it's it's become a lot more institutionalized. Presumably, people are Investors are getting a lot smarter with, uh, you know, on the acquisition side. But, how, you know, what have you noticed? How have you seen domain investing change over time? Well, it did change a lot. Like more demand, obviously more sales, more educated buyers, more educated institutional buyers, obviously, and more sellers. Way more clarity over the aftermarket of domain names in general. Domain prices have gone up due to the demand. And um, the fact that both investors... And a good part of the buyers do realize the importance of a good brandable premium, you know, domain name just, you know, makes the industry move forward, you know, escalate, grow. For example, Microsoft just acquired, I'm not sure, just like recently, like this year, probably acquired Teams.com and Namechip made a strategic acquisition of Wolf.com. And there is really just, and, and they made it seem like it's a strategic acquisition for a potential future product. 
but most domain investors believe they just you know hoarding good domain names because at the end of the day there is just one single wolf.com in this you know world in this universe even in a parallel universe there's just one single wolf.com so the scarcity of these domain names is absolutely fantastic it's huge it's just you can't really imagine how valuable some of these domain names are so big corporations when they're during their growth you know even startups they tend to acquire domains that which are extremely relevant and some of them even you know get traffic for example teams.com i bet has a lot of direct type in traffic you know people just not knowing where it leads to but they will search for teams.com maybe looking for you know an alternative to slack or some other software so uh, the domain industry is changing really really fast and and the demand for good domains is increasing especially the rare ones especially the dictionary name ones the dictionary names the 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 under 5 characters the real words the yeah, the pronounceable ones. <laughs> <laughs> that's always a big one. Yeah, God. The ones without dashes in the middle, that's always, uh, you know. And it's funny because, you know, you take like a four-letter word.com. You know, it, it could be that it's valuable in its own right because it's a rare four-letter dictionary word and a .com. It also could be that there's a company that's just going to want that someday. You know, I, I think of like Zoom, right? You know, everyone's into Zoom now, of course. And for the longest time, Zoom... They didn't own zoom.com. They just had zoom.us. And I mean, even when they went public, it was, they were a global company by that point. It was still just zoom.us, but they finally bit that bullet. I don't know what they paid for zoom.com, but you better believe they finally had the cash for it. And, uh, you know, uh, that seller had a, had a pretty, pretty great day. That's, that's for sure. So, um, you know, the, the companies always come around to the .com when they get cashed up. It always happens like clockwork. Yeah, Absolutely. A really big rebranding recent one was TransferWise moving to wise.com. I saw that, yeah. And that's really interesting because, you know, it just proves that there's like big companies who want to, like I recently posted a, a really interesting quote by um, Frank Schilling, who was the founder of UniRegistry and well-known domain investor and GoDaddy recently acquired UniRegistry. And he basically says like picking a good domain name will lower your long-term marketing costs by a lot. Like be very smart and be very careful when you make, you know, that that domain acquisition and, and you, you kind of um, find a means to make it, you know, really, really targeted to your company. Like think well before you invest in a domain name because most of the time people will just think that's too expensive, but they do not take into account the real expenses of marketing a bad domain name or a name that doesn't really resemble their business or doesn't you know, go along with their marketing message. Yeah, it's the, the domain name just has to make sense. You know, there's no hard and fast rules about when a domain doesn't make sense, but it's like, you know it when you see it, right? We've all seen good companies and you look at the d domain and you're like, oh man, that's the domain. Good luck with that. Like maybe it sounds similar to another company or maybe it's got an unfortunate dash in there or maybe there's like a Y when it should be an I and it's just, you just know it's going to cause long-term problems for them. You know, it's tricky. It's really tricky. All right. So we've talked a lot about domain investing and what I would love to do now is talk about the new trend with domain investing. And so there's, there's a lot of trends, but the biggest one is this trend around aged domains. So it's a big trend. There's also kind of a lot of confusion about what exactly 
uh, an age domain is. Uh, some people call them age domains. Others, it's pre-owned. I've also heard the term SEO domains. So what exactly are age domains? Yeah, so we've already addressed or partially addressed the life cycle of a domain name. And an age domain is just a domain with history. And throughout that age and history, good domain names, good age domain names manage to get valuable, you know, references, mentions, backlinks. Usually these domains used to belong, you know, to various startups, organizations, companies, entities, and they manage to harness a lot of value in terms of value that can be used, you know, for SEO purposes throughout those years. So most of the time we're talking about domains with a history and domains which manage throughout time and age to harness a good chunk of very, very quality references, backlinks, and most of the time we're talking about traffic, relevant traffic that you can use for your startup. So imagine some people compare, you know, age domains to abandoned real estate. I wouldn't really say abandoned because we're talking about a market of buying and selling. Some of these domain names are acquired via, you know, auctions, which companies like GoDaddy auctions do. Other times it's just, you know, a trade in between investors and the final buyer. But most of the time, age domains are just domains that have history, that had something developed or had a company or a project or an idea developed before you, you know, took cl or cl claim ownership of the domains. And the reason some people call them expired domains is just because a portion of these domains name come from auctions, from the expired domains auctions. Some people call them pre-owned because they had an owner, a different owner in the past. Uh, then we have the, the crowd that calls them SEO domain names because they have SEO value. But at the end of the day, it's the age of the domain name which allowed them you know, to harness all that value, either historical value, backlink value, you know, uh, traffic value. And so... For those who may not understand, I think it's good to kind of maybe like give an example of how valuable a, an age domain can be and why, what makes it so valuable. So you talked about all of these inbound links or what we call link juice, right? Why is it valuable to have uh, a domain that comes chock full of this link juice? What Why is it valuable to, to have a domain that um, that has a bunch of backlinks pointing to it? Well, first of all, those backlinks are worth something. Like even going beyond the fact that they will help your SEO, they will help with you know all sorts of ranking signals in Google. They will help with your trust because most of the really good backlinks that are still powering some of the you know highest quality domain names, they are backlinks which use you know the brand name as anchor text. So all those signals can help you rank faster. But beyond ranking fast and beyond all the, the beyond the SEO aspect of an, an age domain name, those backlinks, those references, those mentions on really big websites like, you know, starting with NewYorkTimes.com, Entrepreneur, Forbes, you know, TechCrunch, they're worth something. They're worth a lot of money because if we were to study the market of buying and selling those links, you would be looking at, you know, tens of thousands of dollars spent on buying those links. And if we were to focus our attention on what's really needed in order to rank, successfully rank you know, a website and get a lot of visibility in the search engines, it's all about you know, 
building a proper site, you know, content planning, understanding technical SEO, and then acquiring links, like how you acquire those links, either by, you know, having an extraordinary marketing team, you know, buzzing the world, creating a huge brand, having people talk about link, link to your site, you know, or acquiring those links in a more gray hat manner. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that the backlink profile, getting those links costs a lot of money. And age domains just have them by default, like when we cherry pick, when we handpick these domains, we want them to be in both, you know, brandable premium domains, which you can use to rebrand to domains, which hold intrinsic value. And you also want them, you know, packed with valuable links authority. And most of the time you have, you know, traffic coming through those links. So it's a double win. The metaphor I like for this is it's a way to fast forward the process of building out your own company, your own brand. It's like buying land that already has a foundation for a house. Like the foundation is already poured. You know, a lot of people don't realize when you start a website from scratch, um, I mean, I, like, I take alternative assets, for example. Like we started that domain from scratch. No one had ever owned that domain before, alternativeassets.club. No one had ever owned it before, which is fine. But you're in the uh, what we call the Google penalty box, so to speak, for the first. I mean, it can be it can be months, you know. Like I I, I don't remember exactly how long it took took us to start ranking, but at least three to four months. The first three to four months, I mean, you basically get no organic traffic from Google at all, right? And even you know five six months in, it's still you know it starts to trickle in, but it takes a long time, is the point, right? And after about a year or so, you really start to see things ramp up, and that's great. But what these age domains do is you basically just fast forward all of that that time because Google already knows the domain. It has a history. It has backlinks. It has maybe some traffic still. Some traffic would is always even better. But the point is, it's like you don't have to start from scratch. There's no sandbox. There's no waiting period. Um, and hopefully, not only is there no waiting period, but the, you've already earned the trust. Uh, that's the way, you know. Theoretically, at least, it goes, you've already earned the trust with Google because you've already got, let's say, Forbes pointing to you or CNN pointing to you, and you didn't have to do anything. So most of our clients prefer focusing on actually building their website, you know, creating awesome content, not worry about backlinks, not worrying about promoting, not worrying about acquiring those links in the first place. So they're focused on their product, they're focused on building the sites, they're focused on writing content, and they kind of stay away from all the worries related to building links because that's a very frustrating process. If you ever, if you were ever involved in a link building campaign, it's very, very frustrating from outreach, you know, to being rejected by, you know, fellow website owners who simply refuse, you know, to link to your site or, or just having, you know, a, a poor or don't having the, not having the budget, you know, for, for a good marketing so that, you know, big media outlets pick you up. It's something that it's worth paying attention to, you don't have to worry about the link building part. You don't have to worry about getting some awesome links, at least for the first year. So you can focus entirely on your site, on building that product, on building the site, on publishing great content. And most of the time, if you focus on building, you know, and, and you know what you're doing in terms of technical SEO, you know, structuring your site, building a good site architecture, you know, building the topical relevancy for your site in terms of content, you just start ranking, you know, naturally, organically, because as you said, there is so much authority associated with the former entity and Google just knows that. That's awesome. And I, of course, the risk there is that the, the former entity has to be a, a, a good one in Google's eyes. 
um, because of the former entity was um, one that, you know, you may not want to be associated with um, that can, that can maybe cause some problems for you later on down the line. But of course, most, most sites are good. Most domains are good and link free link juice is always a, uh, you know, generally I should say a good thing. Well, in fact, mo- most domains are bad. I would like to debate that most domains are bad and, and uh, free link juice usually doesn't come free because if you don't know what you're doing, you end up with a trademark domain or a domain associated with some bad PR or with a domain that isn't, doesn't have you know, organic backlinks. It has artificially or formally abused backlinks. So that's where uh, you know, a curated marketplace like ours, like Otis, comes into place because we have a really big team that you know, kind of does the due diligence first and we even guarantee that the domain doesn't have any penalties, you know, hasn't been abused in the past has absolutely natural links. So it's very, very important. It's something that we'll learn throughout the years. It's not like you can go to GoDaddy Action and, and every domain you get is going to be packed, you know, with, with juicy backlinks that are natural and very keen up to get you in trouble. Now that's really interesting. So let's let's shift gears a bit and let's talk about Otis. So how does Otis work? Otis you said it's curated marketplace. So it's, it's, there's a team involved here. There's due diligence. How does Otis work exactly? We basically monitor the whole aftermarket of domain names and we filter it through our own software and we try to identify, you know, the best domains on a daily basis. Like we process hundreds of thousands of domains on a daily basis and we try to, you know, invest in the best ones. Know, for for our members and just you know list them for sale but an important part is just showcasing the real intrinsic value of these domain names and we just try to make it as explicit as possible we try to bring as much transparency and just show where the value is by displaying you know the most valuable links by explaining the value of the name the relevancy we even monitor traffic for these domain names we want to make sure these have been indexed in search engines throughout their lifetime. So we just want to make sure we have very, very strict, you know, quality standards for every domain we invest in. And right now it has been like a one-way highway in terms of investing. So we've been selling our own domains, but something that we're looking forward to launching in the next quarter is, you know, allowing our own members and third-party entities to list their domain names for sale via Odis. So if you have a domain name, that matches our quality standards, you'll be able to list it for sale in our marketplace. So we just want to bring more liquidity and also allow investors to kind of buy a domain name from Otis and immediately list it for sale again. That's exciting, man. That is super, super exciting. So so just to be clear, today, the vast majority or all of your inventory, you guys are, are, are purchasing these domains yourself. Yeah, yeah. We're investing our own money, yeah. So you're investing your own capital. You're, you're, the marketplace is full of pre, not only pre-link uh, uh, domains with link juice, but they're also pre-vetted. They've gone through due diligence. You, you use your expertise to to figure out which ones are the best ones to buy, and that's what's populating your marketplace. Um, and then you're saying in the future. You want it to be an, an open marketplace, uh, a peer-to-peer marketplace. Yeah, we, we even launched a new version of the marketplace that says in the header, like we have three different options where it says like sell domains, buy domains, and pre-order domains. So with sell domains, you'll be 
able to immediately list your domain names for sale as long as they adhere to our quality standards. So who are the typical buyers right now that you guys are seeing? Are they... You know, are you selling to individuals or like agencies or is it kind of like a mix of both? It's a mix of both. And it's really interesting because we started with, you know, people who are interested into SEO. We started with affiliate marketers because these are the folks that want to get, you know, a head start over the competition. But as we moved forward, as we progressed as a startup, we've started noticing a lot of interest because one of the you know, criterias of investing in our own domain names is picking up great names. So we inevitably stumbled upon, you know, acquiring domain names that have a lot of intrinsic value solely based on the name itself. So we started selling to people that aren't necessarily interested in the, you know, SEO aspect of these domain names, just as good names. And a third kind of type of crowd that we've recently started, you know, um, dealing with where the people that were interested in the historical aspect of the domain name, so more like a collectible. So let's say someone was involved in a startup or used to be a client of a particular startup. Now that startup went bust, but it still had a history and that person kind of, you know, was all over it, like a brewery, for example, right? And he just, we managed to acquire that domain name, we own it and he was a big fan of that domain name and he just came to Audis and, and purchased the domain name for us because he just wants to own the domain name of that company, you know. That's interesting. And I, I love the framing, a, a digital collectible, right? It's, you know, it's kind of a, a new way of thinking about domains, but you're absolutely right. You know, they are, they are digital collectibles. They have intrinsic value as well as ex, extrinsic value. And uh, yeah, I really like that, that framing. It's interesting. Especially right now when we are riding, you know, the the NFT wave and everyone being really fond of the, the whole concept of non-fungible tokens. Well, what I have to say is that, you know, the domains are the original NFTs on the web. The only difference is they're, they're not on a blockchain. They're not, you know, decentralized. They're owned by, you know, some big corporations, but nevertheless, they're absolutely unique. And, you know, big domain investors have been holding to their domain names and especially the ones that they refuse to sell, they treat them as digital collectibles. Like they see value in that, but there is no way they're going to sell that. It's way too vol. It's, it's beyond money, you know, to sell some of those domain names. The valuation side is, is something that I'm just so fascinated about with this market. How do you guys think about valuations? You know, you've got, you've got expertise, you've got you know, uh, due diligence, and you can look at the backlink profile for every single domain before you add it to your inventory. But like, what factors kind of go into your your valuations? Is it is it just domain authority, but uh, or is it a combination of domain authority and and the the number of back and the the backlink profile? Like, how how much do the backlinks weigh in? What can you tell us about? kind of what goes into your, your own valuations. So right now, if you go to Otis and study our marketplace, you're going to see the price that it may sell for, and you're going to see a metric we called ODYS or Otis value. So the Otis value is a mix of factors. And one of the most important factors is obviously the domain name itself. And we use some data from tools like STBot or GoDaddy Appraisal, but that is like not even close to the real value of the domain name, which usually comes from the amount of money you would have had to spend to spend on, on, on backlinks, on the authority backlinks. So say we have a domain that is worth 
you know, that is uh, being sold for $1,000. But if you look at the backlink profile, it has links from big websites like techcrunch.com, from Forbes. And getting those links alone would have required, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Not to mention the price of every backlink. So say a domain with 100 referring domains, like unique referring domains. I'm not even talking about the, the, the total amount of backlinks. So 100 unique referring domains with a minimum price of $20 per link, which a lot of people have been telling me that's like way too conservative, like you should be looking at least at $200 for a permanent backlinks. That's already worth like $20,000 alone. Like if we, we are more on the conservative side and we say, okay, so the backlink profile is worth at least $2,000 if you were to buy those links on your own, which is much more, but we just try to you know, be, be really humble about that and just you know, try to keep it to a minimum. And then if you take into account the biggest links, like the highest authority links that domain have, like let's say TechCrunch or Forbes, or let's say you know, some big media, not to mention that in some cases, those links, if you were to address, you know, or to get in, reach out to those companies, they are absolutely impossible to get. So it's really difficult to, to measure how much or to try to figure out how much you would have to pay because they don't sell any links. And just getting mentioned on that website is like big, a big deal. So you guys are basically starting from the the point of trying to understand the value of the backlinks. And like you say, so, so you say TechCrunch, for example, you actually can get a link from TechCrunch if you're willing to pony up. It's I was not un, unofficially quoted about twenty thousand dollars to get a link from from tech, from TechCrunch. That is so, but that's but that's still tricky because you know you can't just say oh okay well this has this this domain has a backlink from TechCrunch worth twenty grand so thus the domain is worth twenty grand so clearly there's a lot more to it than that. I'm sure you have a you know a proprietary algorithm. Yeah, so the pricing itself is based on our own acquisition pricing, you know. So how much we paid for it plus, you know, our margin and our own. But when we evaluate how much it might be worth, so generally speaking, the value of the domain. So value of the domain doesn't reflect on the pricing. So the pricing can be a thousand or two thousand dollars for for a great domain name, but we have owed this value in like you know, $20,000. That makes total sense. So the Otis value is what it's truly worth. And, you know... Yeah, what we estimate it to be worth. Yeah, considering factors like what you would have to pay for a backlink or a mention on on a big website or a media outlet, it's traffic, let's say, comparable sales in terms of the name of the domain. All that adds up. But the price of the domain isn't $20,000. The price of the domain is based on what we paid for the domain to secure it in the first place. And your decision to secure it is, is presumably based off of you know some formula you have based on the actual value, I would imagine. Yeah, obviously. Plus, there are domains you know strictly related to some niches, which are more scarce. And obviously, though, those sell for more, but they sell for more not because we base our pricing on the evaluation, we base our pricing on our own acquisition. So if we had to pay more to get it in the first place, it's going to cost more, Got it. regardless of how much we evaluate it for. Because the, 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 the whole purpose of Odie's value and showing the value is just showing how much intrinsic value you get. Like most of our domains have traffic, like 99% of all the Odie's domains have traffic. Like if you're buying a domain about, let's say, pillows or mattresses, and it has relevant traffic from websites 
that are linking to you and those are relevant websites. We have a case when someone acquired a domain to buy, to, to build a pillow-related website, pillow mattresses, you know, and he started making sales without even ranking that because the domain name already had traffic and that traffic is worth something. So it's, it's really an interesting, you know, way to look at it, like how much is the traffic that the domain still has worth? How much is the backlink profile the domain has worth? You know, and then you add up the name and then you add up all the trust signals and it helps and you come up with Odis value as the evaluation for the domain. It's so cool. I love it. It's, it's, um, you know, it's kind of what we're trying to do, um, with our, uh, alternative assets, with our inferred value for yeah, NFTs, IPOs, basically you just, you, you kind of just start down that exact same path of like, you know, what is this truly worth? And then you just kind of start applying your discount models and, um, triangulating a price that that makes sense, but you got to start somewhere. You just got to just an exercise and doing it over and over. And not every uh, you know domain you have is going to sell. And maybe let's talk about that a little bit. So, you know, I'm sure that there's plenty of domains that you guys have have purchased, and yeah, the fish just aren't biting on those ones. What do you do with those? Are, are you in the business of kind of keeping those up in the marketplace forever? Um, or are you, like, are you tied to them or are you um, thinking about ways to, you know, to release those back into the wild, so to speak? We actually rarely let any domains expire or release them back to the market. That's because we never invest in domain names that we wouldn't use ourselves for building a website or a project. So whenever we see a domain name, whenever we, we like find a really good domain name worth of investing in, we kind of have an idea, development idea, business idea for that domain name. And the way it usually works with Odis, even though not publicly stated, is we would have a certain time frame throughout which we give the domain a chance to, to sell via the marketplace. If it doesn't sell, we remove it from the marketplace and we start building our own websites. Like in some, in most of the cases, we're talking about affiliate sites, you know, but in some other cases, we have like, uh, we were strategically acquiring domains for, it really depends on the niche of talking about SEO, talking about domains related to the domaining industry, like we're getting those for our own business. Like those are way too valuable to just keep forever, you know, for sale, they have to be put to use. So right now, one of the ways I like to tackle this is we have skin in the game with these domains. We would never invest in a domain name that we don't have a development plan for. That's why we just don't buy, you know, thousands of domains. We can pick the very best ones. And that's why with every domain name that you see listed for sale in Odis, you have like a monetization angle. You have like a, a type of business idea that we kind of suggest and we can even help you build that site. So if you don't want it, we want it back because it's too valuable to just let it go expire. So we won't buy stuff that we are not fully, you know, convinced of. One thing I love about this market and this industry is how it kind of reverses the traditional approach to um, building a, a business. And what I mean by that is most people like wait for inspiration to come and then go out and, you know, register a domain name and kind of start from scratch. And, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I love about this is if you just kind of flip that on its head and just let the inspiration come to you based on the domain name and then just t create a business around that. Like, I mean, it's like if you see a, a domain name called stopblisters.com, you know, you may not be passionate about blisters, but that's a great domain name. Now, if that's got link juice and everything attached to it, 
my God, that's that's even better. You know, you could very easily build a business around stopblisters.com, and that's just one example. So it's just, it's just kind of interesting. It kind of, you know, people don't really tend to think like that when they're thinking about, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, but it's just as val- valuable of, a, of an approach as anything else. I really like it. Yeah, exactly. Like right now we have our regular members, we have regular members that are buying from Odis and some of them already have a business. Like, let's say you have like the podcast, you know, the, 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 the whole business around alternative assets. And let's say you find a domain which was a former domain of a business, of, of, of a business, of a podcast, let's say of a blog, which talked exclusively about alternative assets. And it still has traffic and it still have links and it still have, you know, has mentions on plenty of, it would be a really good idea to kind of take it and merge it with your own business. So sometimes we, like most of our buyers are people who already have a business and they just want to strengthen it. They want to build more entities like satellite sites, you know, to funnel in traffic, to, to kind of merge it with their business. On the other hand, we're also a marketplace of business ideas. Someone may have heard or explicitly knows that it's easier to rank with an age domain, and he just logs into his Odis account and just, you know, scrolls through the domains, you know, uses the filter to find, you know, new business ideas. And he just finds an excellent, let's say, pets-related domains. And he decided to go into that because he was just about to buy a cat. And while still owning a cat, why not launch a site about cats since he's passionate about that stuff? So it also becomes a marketplace of ideas besides just being a marketplace for domains, which you can use for your existing business. So let's talk about some of the other strategies around age domains. We've talked about the primary strategy, which is you you take uh, an age domain, you've already got the foundation, and then it's much easier to build a house and to, to you know build a second story of that house quicker. So that, that's the primary strategy, but there's also some strategies with what we call 301 redirects which is where you take an age domain, um, but you don't use it as your primary, you know, house, so to speak. What you do is you just uh, redirect the the link juice and redirect the traffic uh, that that age domain is getting into your primary uh, domain, into your primary house. Um, What what can you tell us about the, the 301 redirect strategy and maybe some, some other similar strategies around uh, PBNs or private blog networks? Well, I, I like to keep PBNs separate from anything related to Odis because it's more of a like a link building type of, of uh, you know, business, you know, and, and not solely related to domain names as domain names with intrinsic value. Like when it comes to investing in domain names, age domain names, like 301 redirects, are just an amazing way to harness all that power. But even though I'm an SEO by heart, I like to kind of look beyond the SEO aspect of 301 redirecting for strengthening your website. Because most of the time, when you're building a business, you want to use every means possible to kind of strengthen it up, to gain an advantage over your competitors. So for example, in your case with alternative assets, like I, I would suggest to look for domains that are related to investing, not necessarily alternative assets investing, you know, but investing in general, maybe alternative assets if you can find any. And by 301 redirecting them to your site, you can tap into potential investors, buyers, more subscribers to your newsletter, like all sorts of interesting things may happen from that. But obviously you also harness the power of backlinks and the references it has because all those get you know, pushed to redirect it forwarded to your existing site. And obviously, uh, that's a good signal. So 301 redirects 
beyond SEO, just an amazing means, you know, of, of getting extra traction, traffic, you know, trust. Like I said, Microsoft acquired teams.com, but it didn't acquire it for a development project. Teams.com now, now redirects to Microsoft Teams, which is Microsoft.com slash Teams or something like that. It's the same for, for these are strategic strategic acquisition. And three ones is just a means of, you know, redirecting, you know, the existing traffic. And by that means also links, you know, to your existing site and just strengthening your, whatever you're working on. So in terms of PBNs, like PBNs are probably worth talking about in a different podcast because what Wodis does, it we focus on the domain investing aspect of things because PBNs are mostly related to just, you know, exploiting the short-term benefit of link juice, you know, strengthening up a project. With 301 redirects as a link acquisition method, it just far more, you know, valuable and faster. And just, it, it, I view it like a next level type of link building, because when you redirect a domain that is powered by, let's say, 100 unique referring domains, valuable unique referring domains to your site, you instantly get like 100 unique referring domains. And that it brings like a huge amount of value to your project. The 301 stuff is really fascinating. I've never 301 redirected a site into alternative assets I did recently buy a similar website. Um, it was a peer-to-peer lending site based in um, based in the EU. It's called uh, thepoorinvestor.eu, and uh, it's a peer-to-peer lending review site. But I didn't three hundred one redirect the traffic because I had read that there was some risks in doing that, and I was kind of just enjoying the the traffic that the site was getting, and um, I got it for a good price, and so. Um, I haven't really pulled that trigger yet. Are, are there risks with with doing three hundred one redirects, or um, is it pretty pretty safe? The only like real risks I see in terms of redirecting a domain is if you're buying a domain like which is trademarked or can get you in legal trouble. Other than that, like I find it perfectly safe. Or or not in the same niche, right? That I've heard that can that can hurt as well. Yeah, but in your case, like what you can do is write an article about investing in peer-to-peer lending companies, right? And then 301 redirecting this domain, which was a former or, or website, if you, if you don't plan to have it around and further grow it, if you don't plan to bring it to the next level, you can just take it and 301 redirect it with all its traffic and links and whatever it brings with it to your article about you know, P2P lending. And that would be like the perfect landing page and you could get those visitors interested in your other stuff as well. So it doesn't ruin the visitor experience, and it just makes you know perfect sense even for Google, for crawlers, for search engine bots, because you know they're coming from a site related for related to P2P, you know, lending, and they end up on an article which is talks exactly about that. So perfect relevancy makes sense for everyone. It doesn't ruin the user experience. Yeah, I definitely want to learn more about the process. It seems like next level. And, uh, but I, I definitely see the value in it. Uh, very cool. So, you know, I noticed that you guys have switched to, you know, doing kind of logos. You've started to add logos for, for the names in the database. Cause it's similar to like what uh, brand bucket does or squad help does where the, the buyers are now buying, not just a domain name full of link juice, but almost like a brand you're buying a logo, you're buying a, a domain full of link juice. Um, you're really giving yourself a great head start. It's a great value add. How's that, how's that working out for you guys so far? Our goal is to you know, help 
every single domain investor that is using Otis to acquire an age domain, you know, to get a head start of the competition. And usually that head start is all about timing. So if it takes three days to get a logo done and we can do it for you in advance, we'll do it. If it takes like a day to figure out the best hosting you can use for your domains, we'll figure that out as well. Like our goal is to fast forward you to, you know, launching your website. So that's, that's why we provide the logo. Beyond that, the industry has evolved from, you know, sellers offering domains name for sale in an Excel spreadsheet and just letting, letting you pick the ones you want from actually bringing them to a marketplace where you can take, you look at the domain names and sometimes it's just about the chemistry in between you and the domain name. Sometimes that logo can resemble something that you get attached to. Sometimes that logo can help you get a better vision for the project, for the business idea for that particular domain. And beyond that, it's just easier to remember. You can figure out if you can build a brand or you can use the logo. But at the end of the day, like the original intent was to help, you know, our buyers just get traction faster. But there are multiple things associated with getting that logo because it's just visually more enticing and, and easier to navigate through a marketplace where domain names are have you know some kind of personality attached to them and aren't just you know data entered in a in a spreadsheet you know it's cool I, I like the way you're thinking about it like you guys are really in the business of not necessarily selling domain names but kickstarting someone's dreams right and and everything you can do to help that is part of the the value prop domains are a huge part of that of course probably really the the, the fundamental cornerstone but there's other things involved. There's hosting, like you said, there's a brand, there's logo. Um, so I like the way you're kind of thinking through that and packaging it all up. Really cool. Yeah, thanks. I mean, there's really like our goal is, you know, never ending improvement. Like we'll keep delivering value. We'll keep figuring out ways, you know, to showcase the value because when we showcase something specific about a domain, we don't actually invent it or fake it. There is no way to do that, especially, you know, for the keen investor. Like at the end of the day, it's all about just showing what's there by default for a domain name that we've managed to secure. So a logo, all, all, all a logo does is just enhance the experience when interacting with that domain name, you know. So in terms of the future, what does the future hold? This is kind of like a two-part question to finish things off. But one, where do you see domain investing going, right? What do you see happening in the next few years and just in the space at large? and then. Just as importantly, you know, what do you guys have cooking up at Otis? What's next for you guys? What are you thinking? Uh, what can we expect uh, for the from the future of Otis? I think domain name as an industry is just get, just getting started. It's just getting warmed up, because as we've seen past, you know, the COVID crisis, everyone can go digital. There is a means, especially for the online business, you know, to operate strictly from home, and a digital presence is more important than ever. And domain names, due to scarcity, especially in extensions like .coms, are becoming more and more valuable. Uh, more and more companies are starting to realize the real value beyond, you know, having a presence and not just any presence, you know, with a dash or with a .net or with a dot, let's say, biz or any other, you know, fancy extension, but a solid brand. Uh, that, that's why I see the domaining industry involving more great products like den.com being developed, you know, a more liquid marketplace for buying and selling domain names, more educated buyers, and obviously just 
the industry reaching new heights, especially with startups like Unstoppable Domain Names, but those are a little bit early in my opinion. But nevertheless, the industry is moving forward at a very fast pace. In terms of Odis, like we have a lot of good stuff cooking, like some of the things that I cannot publicly announce yet. But nevertheless, I already did with the, you know, the, the ability, the functionality of selling your own domain. So we'll have like we'll allow our investors to buy a domain name and immediately list it for sale in the exact same marketplace, just because we already have the traffic, the buyers. Maybe if you don't have like an immediate development plan or resources, you can just buy and release it for sale. You can add your own markup. And if it's a sale, like you can make some money. If it doesn't sell, at least it's exposed to something. It just doesn't just sit in your registrar, you know, and do nothing. And uh, we have a lot of cool functionality coming up, but some of which I cannot like reveal right now because it's not yet ready. Plus it can be like... Uh, really enticing for our competitors, you know, to find out. And I don't want that to happen. Well, Alex, I want to say thank you so much for joining today. I think we uh, had a great time talking about uh, what is truly a fantastic alternative asset. And uh, I think the, the phrase you use, which I really love is domains are a great digital collectible. And uh, the, the world that you're in specifically with age domains is super exciting. I just I love the metaphor of, you know, fast forwarding the building of a house, getting your traction faster, skipping the sandbox and um, getting down to business, um, focusing on what really matters uh, much, much faster. So we look forward to seeing the space evolve. We especially look forward to seeing um, how Otis evolves. And uh, that includes the peer to peer marketplace. Super exciting. Thank you once again. Thank you. It's been great talking to you. All right. Take care, bud. Take care tuning in we sure hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did please be sure to subscribe and give us a nice review for this podcast it means a lot and remember you can find a transcription of this episode along with all past issues of our weekly newsletter at our website alternativeassets.club see you next time